to turn your attention to the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 13. If you're using the Bible in the seat back in front of you, it's on either page 458 or page 521. Over the past few weeks, in our Redeemer Youth Group, we have been doing a study on holiness. Holiness, and we've been taking a look at holiness from the perspective of the Ten Commandments. And what we've seen in the, in, as we've looked at holiness is we've seen holiness is synonymous with Christ-likeness. That there is something about how we ought to live uh, where we are to emulate Christ, be like Him, and that is what uh, true holiness is. And one aspect of holiness that we are not able to touch on in youth group, but we were going to talk about today, is the aspect of our personal relationships. Uh, that there is an aspect that who we associate with, how we live out our day-to-day relationships, affects who we are as people. And so that is what we're going to be looking at today from the book of Proverbs. And we're going to look at one verse, Proverbs 13, verse 20. Here now the word of God. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. This is the word of the Lord. And what do we know about God's word? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Father, this is your word. We desire to be wise. Would you teach us your wisdom? Would you walk with us now that we might grow wise? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, please be seated. The power of our personal friendships and associations is unmistakable. And we see this very clearly from the time that we are first parents. As soon as our kids get to be about the age where they, we have to start thinking about school, we're, we're immediately wrestling through this question. I want my kids to be wise. I want them to be in the right crowd. How, how is the best way to do it? Should I send them to a Christian school? Uh, to be surrounded by other Christians? Do I dare send them to a public school and face the influences there? Or should I take this responsibility upon myself to teach them and nurture them as they grow as, as children? And we, th- we think we figure out some answer that fits well for us and for our children, and then all of a sudden they become teenagers. And the, the ball game changes quite a bit. Now all of a sudden teenagers start deciding who they want to spend time with. And we start to worry and we say, well, who who are they going to hang around with? Are they going to choose the right kids or are they going to hang around with the rough crowd? And and we know that, we we hear this this wisdom that you you are who your friends are. You you are the people that you hang around with. And, And you start to see it and you start to hear it. All of a sudden you see the kids wanting to dress in clothes that you would have never picked out. Uh, they start uttering phrases or words that you've never taught them and you don't even understand even with a dictionary. Or they, they have a certain set of logic that defies and baffles you beyond compare. And you learn to manage that a bit uh, when you have these teenagers, when you still have them in your home. And then all of a sudden they're ready to go off to college. Now I have one son who's already in college and I've got another one who's on its way, and we've been doing some college shopping, and uh, we went to one place where uh, there was much that was very good about this school, but there were certain things that were core ideological commitments at this school that Andrea and I didn't quite agree with. 
And um, I started wrestling through this, saying, well, it's, it's a different ballgame. He, he's going to be in this environment 24-7. And this verse, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. It's, it's going around in the back of my brain, and I say, if I send him here, do I dare send him here? Do, will, he, will he grow wise? Or will he suffer harm? And it's not just for our kids. I mean, we feel it as adults as well. I mean, there's a reason why business leaders try to surround themselves with wise managers and directors. There's a reason why we care about who our president's advisors are, his closest advisors. There's a reason why we pursue after jobs where they hire uh, solid, uh, skilled talent. It's because we, we recognize that there's a, a huge influence that is, is played by the people that we hang around with. And this verse speaks to that very point. It, it says that we, we are made for relationships and that these relationships, there's a huge power in these relationships. They affect who we are. But what we'll see is that God has ultimately made us to be in relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ, and to grow wise in Him. And being wise in Christ, God has given us the opportunity to spread the aroma of His Son and His Gospel through us. Now this book of Proverbs is unique in the canon of Scripture. It's one of uh, what we call the, the wisdom books of Scripture. It's, it's different. It's not a narrative book telling a story uh, like, say, Genesis or the Gospels. And it's not a letter like the letters of Paul, Romans, Ephesians, and so on and so forth. It's a, it's a collection of Proverbs. And, and we've got Proverbs in our own language. A proverb is just a simple, short, wise saying. For instance, uh, it's not whether you win or lose the game, it's, it's how you play the game. Uh, that's a proverb that we have. And uh, Proverbs are unique because these are uh, sayings that are wise words of how we ought to live wisely. And they, and they depend upon the context of our, of our life situation as far as how true they are. Uh, and what, what I mean by that is that there can be conflicting Proverbs that, depending upon the context, it, it, it may seem to conflict with another, even, even with biblical Proverbs that is true. And, and in our old culture, own culture, we have conflicting Proverbs as well. For instance, uh, many hands make light work. Or, too many cooks spoil the broth. These are two different Proverbs that we have that conflict. And we have that in Proverbs as well. But they, they, these are unique in uh, context to our Proverbs because our Proverbs are Proverbs made by man, cultural wisdom, uh, what have you. These Proverbs are God's wisdom. God's uh, telling us how we ought to construct our lives, how we ought to live. These are, this is wisdom from the mind and heart of God. And... Uh, while Proverbs, every verse is trying to convey some aspect of biblical wisdom to us, just the, uh, the sheer count of words shows us the, the importance that, that Proverbs is placing on us learning wisdom itself. There are, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs, and every single one of them has either the word wise or wisdom, uh, something to that effect, uh, over 100 total, and just shy of 100 words of folly or foolishness or fool. Uh, this aspect of being wise and avoiding folly is something that is supremely important to the book of Proverbs. And our verse today is one such verse like that. The proverb says, 
Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. This proverb holds up this ideal of wisdom and puts these two poles together. He says, whoever walks with the wise, whoever walks with the wise person will become wise. There's, it's, it's contagious. You hang around with, you pursue, you, you dwell with the wise. It rubs off on you. But this aspect of folly or, or harm also seems to have this uh, communicable aspect to it. The one who is the companion of fools suffers harm. Uh, pursue the wise, you become wise. Pursue friend of fools, you suffer harm. So the question for us, when I, pursue, when I look at that, I, I ask, okay, so who, who is the wise? I, I want to be wise. We, we all desire to be wise. Wise in the eyes of God, wise in the eyes of man. So who is the wise? Well, there's an aspect that uh, is probably true that any, any person who is skilled or gifted in their area of expertise is wise. Uh, believers and unbelievers alike. Uh, we, we desire to surround ourselves with people who are skilled in their work. We, we are blessed by the labors of believers and unbelievers alike. We can be healed by a skilled doctor uh, who may not have professed the name of Christ. We call that God's common grace, that he works even through unbelievers. We are all created in his image with that opportunity for excellence. But I don't think that's what is at view here in the proverb because if we read elsewhere, if we read in Proverbs, I'm sorry, Psalm 14, the psalmist says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So an unbeliever can't be this wise one because an unbeliever says in his heart, there is no God. And so by definition, he is a fool. Well, maybe what he's talking about is all believers, all those who profess the name of Christ. But do we really believe that? I mean, let's think about that. What that would mean is that do we hold out as wise those who hold differing views of theology than us? Would we, would we believe that somebody who denies the total depravity of mankind and need of a Savior as wise? Would we say that somebody who is, denies the sovereignty of God is wise? Or let's take it a little more personally. We have a core conviction of our form of worship here, our traditional liturgical worship, our beautiful worship here. Do we really hold other people who do not hold to this as wise? Well, maybe it's not, maybe it's not Christians as a whole. Maybe it's, maybe it's just Redeemer. Maybe it's just us here. Uh, maybe, maybe we're the wise that we're talking about. But do we really believe that either? I mean, are you in awe of every person who is here that you've come into contact with, awe of their wisdom, or, or, or just some? Or is there anybody? <laughs> I mean, reality is it's probably just a matter of time in talking with somebody and walking alongside with somebody, and you realize, whoa, they're way more extreme on something than you would believe, or... Don't, not as extreme as they should be, they, they, they just don't hold to something that you think is essential, or the way that they, they live out their life is just, is just, uh, just not what you agree with. 
So maybe, maybe the, the wise person in view is, uh, we could define it as people who make the same choices as we do, with the same priorities that we have, in the same manner that we do. So in other words, that's me for myself and you for yourself. But is this based upon my view of wisdom? Is this based on your view of wisdom? I mean, if I, isol- if I isolate myself as the only wise person, then all of a sudden I, I, I flip through Proverbs a little bit more and I read things like this. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. A fool gives full, full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, but whoever utters slanders, slander is a fool. Or as we, as we prayed, just as a dog returns to its vomit, so is the one as a fool return to his folly. How often when we approach the time of confession are we praying the same prayer week after week? Lord, forgive me for the same sin that I prayed about last week. Or as James says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Friends, if I'm honest when I come to God's Word and I read this, even though I have put myself in that position of being wise in my own eyes, I am not wise. I am a fool in the eyes of God. A fool. And I know the same thing is true for you. Because it is our sin that makes us foolish. It is our sin that has turned our hearts from wisdom unto folly. Romans 1 makes clear that because of the fall, because we have denied who God is, we have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And it says, claiming to be wise, we became fools. And so we're the ones that need to walk with the wise and become wise. Because we're the ones that need the wisdom. But that's what's here in this passage. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. God holds that out as a possibility that we can actually walk with somebody and grow wise. And that person, the only person that we could truly say is wise, is Christ Himself. As we read in our assurance, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us the wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. Christ and Christ alone is true wisdom. Any other wisdom that we try to fabricate outside of that is foolishness in the eyes of God. It is True godly wisdom is only found by walking with Christ who became to us wisdom from God. Paul prays this in Colossians 2. He says that we may reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery. And here's the knowledge of the mystery that he wants us to learn, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All of them are in Christ, in Christ alone. And Christ chose to walk with us. He chose to walk with us so that we could grow wise. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's ask. So if, Christ, if we must walk with Christ in order to grow wise, how do we do that? Christ is in heaven, right? Uh, we can't walk alongside Him on the road. Well, it starts with 
humility. It starts with recognizing that we need wisdom, that we are not to be wise in our own eyes, that we are to find our wisdom in Christ. But it also starts with, continues with listening, listening to, who God, to what God says to us through Christ. Uh, Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of Christ, which he's talking about scriptures. And, and in, in 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, he says, the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Through the scriptures, we learn God's true wisdom in Christ Jesus. Rather than drinking deep of the world's wisdom, we need to drink deep of the wisdom that God has revealed to us in His Word. You know, as we, as we read in our confession, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And Paul prayed that we would have a spirit of wisdom and understanding that we would, we would know Him, that we would know Christ, because there's wisdom in Christ and Christ alone. So it's, it's listening to Him, but then it's imitating Him. It's allowing that, that wisdom to be contagious, to affect the way that we live. Remember Romans 12, we've talked about this a lot. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. May our lives be transformed through the renewing of our mind that we might walk in a way that's pleasing to Him. That what is doing what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, that we may grow wise in the Lord. And again in Colossians, Paul prays that we would be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. It, re it requires us to not just hear it, but to do it, to imitate Him in, from, from the inside out, through the renewal of our mind and the, the imitation of His life. And it's not just individual, it's we do this together. It's, uh, Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in y'all richly. Um, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If we are pursuing Christ and Christ alone is our wisdom, then yes, we do walk alongside one another. And we do grow wise together, but only insofar as we are pointing one another to Christ and His wisdom. When we listen together, when we read God's Word together and we digest it together and we work through those things, when it's God's truth, then we are growing wise together. When, when, it's, when it's our truth, when it's our individual or corporate biases, then we cause people harm. But we need one another. We need one another to, to teach and admonish one another together. And we imitate Christ together. We, as long as we are imitating Christ individually and corporately as a body, then we're growing wise together. But if we stray to the right or to the left, then we suffer harm. And we need one another to push and pull ourselves in the direction of Christ. We need to be focused on Him. And as we, as we get together over the next few months to, to work through our small group study, this is really key. Uh, because we're, we're engaging in a study on anger. And anger has 
everybody's got an opinion about anger. But the question is, what does God say about anger? And how can we encourage one another in our day-to-day walk as we struggle through anger? Are we going to do it with our own uh, tips and tricks of how to deal with anger? Or are we going to go to see, point toward Christ and His Word and say, what does God's Word say to us about anger? Um, as one of your uh, dear elders said to me once uh, about, that he learned through his time on the session, he said, you know, we may have wisdom in and of ourselves, but we are better together than we are individually. That there's, there's something about uh, the way God has constructed us, these relationships where we might have a, a, a view on Christ, but um, our view together is always going to be better because we each of us have our own biases. We, we have our blind spots. And we need one another to walk alongside one another so that we might grow wise. And when we do this, when we pursue the wisdom of God through Scripture, and we do it together, this this affects every aspect of our lives. This this affects our parenting. This affects our marriage. This affects how we deal with money. This affects how we are as workers in the workplace. This affects how we deal with our neighbors. Every aspect of our life is we grow wise as we grow wise together, even as we grow wise in Christ. Now, in our, our youth group study, we're, I told you we were, we're studying holiness. We've come to define holiness as Christ-likeness, that they are synonymous. You can't be truly holy without saying we are pursuing who Christ is. And the same is true when it comes to true wisdom. True wisdom is Christ-likeness. We, any, any wisdom outside of that which is conveyed by Christ is not true wisdom. Um, we, we can walk with other sinners and grow wise. We can help other people to grow wise as we walk with them, but only as we build each other up in Christ. Now, let me stop for a second and say, if, if there's anybody here who is not in Christ, this may seem a bit absolute, a bit harsh to say that wisdom is only found in Christ, that there is no other wisdom apart from Christ. And let me just, let me just point you to the words that we, we read earlier. I, I think it's remarkable that if, 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 you have, if you still think that the message of the cross is foolishness, isn't it interesting that God's wisdom, God's word speaks to that? He says that the message of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. And could it be that you are clinging to your own wisdom to discern truth from error? That maybe you have blind spots and you are unable to see the beauty and the truth and the wisdom of the gospel. And let me just encourage you to consider that and consider praying, Lord, open my eyes that I would see the beauty of the gospel because I can't. I can't see it. And God promises, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives graciously to all without finding fault. He will open your eyes. He will give you eyes to see it. He will do it. But let's say you, you, are, um, you do claim the name of Christ. You see the beauty of the gospel, but you're not walking in him. Um, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. There is no wisdom apart from Christ. You are harming those who are in your life by not following the ways of Christ. Let me encourage you. Abide in Him. Come back to Him. Pursue His 
righteousness, and wisdom. And then you can be a blessing to others. Well, if we need to listen to Christ and we need to imitate him, I I think it's important for us to look at how he would have approached this verse here in Proverbs. Uh, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 9. If you desire to read along with me, uh, turn with me there. Matthew chapter 9. Um, If not, you can just listen along. Matthew 9, verses 10 and following says this, And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to their disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, when we approach this verse in Proverbs, walking with the wise, we, we hear, okay, if you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. But if you're a companion of fools, you will suffer harm. And you say, I want to follow the, the fools, and I'm going, to avoid, I'm going to avoid the fool, or I'm going to walk with the wise, I'm going to avoid the fools. And that's how I feel too. And we'd be in good company if you call the Pharisees good company because Jesus turns this passage on his head. What, ha- what happens is he's, he's reclining at table. He's being a friend of, it says, tax collectors and sinners, the, the hated, thieving, traitorous tax collectors and sinners, which is shorthand for prostitutes or un- other, other unsavory uh, characters. And, and Jesus is, is reclining with them. He's pursued them. And the Pharisees look at, look at this and they're like, why, why does Jesus bother with these people? These people are fools. He's not going to get anything out of this. There's no, nothing to be had here. And Jesus responds like this. He says, learn what this means. I desire mercy. It's, it's interesting. He, he picks mercy. Because he's, he's saying, no, they, 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 they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. But I'm going to pursue after them in love. I'm going to walk with them so that they can grow wise. So Jesus is saying, so that they can know me. Because apart from me, there is no wisdom. If Jesus were to avoid these people, then he probably would have avoided us people as well. And if he had avoided us, he could have remained in, in, in the blessedness of heaven. He could have had perfection for all eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he needed nothing. And yet he chose to walk with us. He chose to walk with the fools. You know, we, we, we think of this and we say, oh, you know, I've got to be careful who I hang around with. Because, you know, I don't, I don't want to suffer harm. I mean, maybe you've heard this, this phrase, you know, a little girl goes in the back, backyard and she's wearing white gloves and she goes to make mud pies. Well, the mud doesn't get any cleaner, but the gloves sure get awfully muddy. And it makes sense, but that's not what Scripture's talking about. Scripture says Christ climbs into the mud with us and he allows himself to get dirty so that we can be cleansed by him forever and ever, so that we can grow wise. He hangs around with the fools so that, 
so that there is such a thing as wisdom that we can attain, so that we can see Him, so that we can be, we can be built up in Him. And He calls the same thing to us. Remember what He told His disciples? He said, I am sending you as sheep among wolves. Okay, in case you're not familiar with animals, wolves are not going to be nice to sheep. They're going to suffer harm. But he says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. We're concerned about ourselves, and Christ says, no greater love can you have than what you lay down your life for your friends. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus suffered harm. He went to the cross for these fools, to be a companion of fools. And he calls us to do the same. And, and we're, we're so afraid that the, that the ways of the world are going to infect our hearts that we forget what, what, what was written in 1 John where he says, the Spirit who is in you, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And he says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We are to be companions of fools for the sake of the gospel. We are to, to, to pursue after those who don't know Christ. Even those who know Christ, but need to be built up in Him and who need to be redirected in Him. You know, it's, it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. The world hates the church because it hated Christ with whom we're associated. And relationships, relationships are messy. They're messy. They're time-consuming. They're painful. They break your heart. They make you angry. And relationships in the church aren't any easier. <laughs> We're sinners, just like those who, who don't claim the name of Christ. And they're just as heartbreaking, just as painful, just as time-consuming. And, and it could cost us promotions. It could cause us friends. It could cost us our happiness, our time. But is the Christian life about promotions and happiness and our time? Or is it about glorifying God today and for all eternity? Is it for seeking after, after His righteousness and bringing the aroma of Christ to the midst of this world? But you might be saying, well, but aren't we called to purity? I mean, if we, if we go hang around with friends who are unbelievers, if we pursue after the fools, we will suffer harm we're called to purity. Mark, you're wrong. And I say, yes, you're absolutely right. We are called to purity, but it's a both and. It's not an either or. We can't be so focused on purity that we construct this, this, this notion where we are we're trying to create these safe spaces where we're so afraid of the effects of the world. You know, Jesus, who did Jesus pick as his, his closest friends? He chose, he chose fishermen. He chose sailors. Do you think there was some rough language there? <laughs> he, he chose prostitutes to hang around with. Do you think maybe there was some unsavory clothes or conversations that just were awfully uncomfortable? Do you think when he pursued after tax collectors, he chose the best businessmen who were ethical? No. He pursued after those who needed mercy. He, choose, chose after, he pursued after those who needed his grace who needed his love, who needed his wisdom. Let's not try to create safe spaces which are pure. We can't do it because we're inside. 
Let's cling to God's grace. Let's trust in Him for our safety and security. Let's embody Christ as we go out into the world, as we pursue those who need God's grace. Even within here, let's walk alongside one another for the sake of His wisdom and His love. Now after Jesus ascended into heaven, He had left His disciples uh, behind to carry forth His his gospel ministry to, to share that word. And if you remember, at the very beginning, those disciples, they, they huddled together. They were afraid. They were afraid of what, what, what was the world going to do to them. And Christ at Pentecost poured out His Spirit upon His church. And all of a sudden, they're praying for boldness. And they're able to speak with boldness this gospel of grace. They're, they're going out. They're even sent out. And uh, at one point, Peter and John are arrested for preaching the gospel. And uh, they bring them before the teachers of the law, and, and Peter and John start speaking. And Scripture says that these teachers of the law, they were, they were astonished. They were astonished by their boldness and by, by their wisdom. And they're like, these are simple, ordinary, uneducated men how in the world could this be the case? And then, and then it says this, but then they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That these men, these were the men that God used to give us this word. This is, this is, these are the men that God used to spread His gospel. He chose these men for that very purpose. He walked alongside them and they grew wise. They became wise. And friends, we're... We are those same simple, ordinary men and women. And we have been with Jesus. We have been with Jesus. And He is making us wise. And He is giving us, He has called us to that same thing, that same purpose to pursue after, to walk alongside men and women who, who don't know this gospel of grace, to build them up and point them to Christ. Will Redeemer Church be known as a church that walks with Jesus and becomes wise? Will we be known as a church that walks with others so that they would grow wise? Will you do it? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, You are truly wise. You are our wisdom, in fact. We have no wisdom apart from You. We love You. Thank You for giving Yourself to us, for suffering harm for us, for loving us that much. And thank You for giving us that same Holy Spirit that You gave to Peter and John. That Spirit of wisdom. Help us now to walk by His power for Your glory's sake. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.